Welcome back to the Midrange J. Today I'm your host Fahad and unfortunately my co-host isn't here today. Walid has unfortunately not been able to make his way to today's episode but that shouldn't be too much of an issue because this is going to be a quick wrap up. I'm thinking perhaps 15 minutes maybe less than that. I've been trying to record this for so long and just going through the logistics of it there's just so much to talk about and i'm just gonna try and be as concise as possible so welcome back today's episode is gonna be the wrap up and i'm just gonna go through the past season that just went by um essentially going through the standings how the standings have changed prior to the vegas predictions for the season and how the playoffs unfolded and the awards so going right in to the standings starting with the east the home court teams that were projected to be the home court teams were the bucks celtics nets and heat with the heat and sixes being predicted to have the exact same record the actual teams with the home court however were the sixes nets bucks and Knicks, the Knicks weren't even predicted to be a top 10 seed, so go figures, I think a lot of that is to do with Julius Randle and his growth as a player and Tibbs taking over and turning them into a top 5 defence, but I'll move past that, great season for the Knicks, that's one of the winners. The other four slots were taken by the Hawks, the Heat, the Celtics and the Wizards. And Vegas actually predicted that it would go to the Sixers, Raptors, Indiana Pacers and the Hawks. The Sixers obviously were the one seed. So Vegas unfairly predicted them to be this down the pack. However, the Raptors were completely out of the playoff picture. They weren't even top 10 seed. They were, I think, 12th. And a lot of that has to do with the troubles of Tampa Bay and COVID. And I think throughout the season, it did look promising. There was a short period in the season where they were the fourth seed and it looked like they were trying to climb back into the race. But then they did lose a few players to COVID. They lost... Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Siakam and I think Malachi Flynn at one point to COVID for about three weeks and essentially that's your main core of players and that basically completely destroys your playoff hopes. However, some teams would try and play through that. I think the Raptors did try and play through it but it got to a point where it was just completely unbearable even mixed in with the fact that you just can't take the Raptors out of Toronto and expect them to be the Toronto Raptors simply put the Indiana Pacers went through something similar however not to the same extent they did lose a lot of players to injuries and COVID they lost Miles Turner TJ Warren um, Simonis for a little bit Malcolm Brogdon for a while so they didn't have their full core of players for too long and they were trying to climb back into the playoffs 
They didn't make it to the play-in. However, they lost in the in their second game. But that's the East, and that's how the East has looked. Over in the West, the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Mavs were the top four seeds, and the Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, and Clippers were the actual top four seeds that claimed top four. Initially, I think Vegas predicted the Lakers to have a complete breakout season to be the number one seed. Um, I think that's a bit unfair considering how much load they carried through from the last season prior. I think perhaps maybe a fifth seed, sixth seed would have been more fair. I think the Clippers as well. I think the Clippers as well were kind of predicted a bit above their weight. However, the Clippers did hold up their end of the bargain. They had 47 wins, which was only one win shy of their actual win total. I think the main difference between the predictions and the reality was that the Jazz and the Suns were just that much better. The Jazz ended up winning 52 games, which was the NBA record for last season. They were the number one record and I think the Suns were the number two record with 51 wins um, those two teams tremendous seasons everything just clicked for them they were completely healthy and health seems to have been a recurring theme throughout this entire se uh, season however not for these two teams these two teams took great care of themselves they had a lot of depth so kudos to these two teams um, the third seed, the Nuggets, was predicted to be the third seed, was the third seed. So, respect to them. They had a pretty good season as well. They got rid of um, Jeremy Grant beginning of the season, lost him to free agency to um, Detroit, and then ended up acquiring Aaron Gordon. And I think the Nuggets looked well-poised to... At least go back to the conference finals like they did last i mean not last year but the year prior to that however they did lose jamal murray at the start of the playoffs and i think that just dampened the whole spirits however they still have the mvp and i'd still consider that a great year for them moving on to the clippers the clippers the Clippers made their first ever conference finals this year and they had a great season despite Kawhi going out and despite him having an ACL now. They had a great season. Paul George redeemed a lot of his stock that he lost in the last few years and I think he should have a great season next year as a first option. Um, Dallas Mavericks... Blazers, Lakers and Grizzlies were the rest of the four seeds that took up the other spots and the Mavs were right about where they should have been they were predicted to win 43 games they won 42 so I think the, 
doesn't need to be much said about them. The Blazers as well were predicted to be the sixth seed, and they were exactly that. And they were also predicted to win 41 games. I think they won 42. So in terms of predictions, they're right about where they should have been. Um, I think the last two spots is probably the biggest shock. The Lakers, for one, being the seventh seed. I don't think anyone had them in the whole play-in bracket. No one thought that they would be this far down the order but no one also thought that AD and LeBron would be injured as well and they'd have to go through at least I think a 25 game period where they had to hold up their fourth fifth seed spot and they just kept slipping down just because they didn't have their two main guys um the Lakers season like I said earlier a lot of it was due to too much load and not enough break from the season before um even though the season was shortened i don't think the teams that had all that legwork on them from the season before got any real break so i think the fact that the lakers and the heat went out early is going to be very good for them they should come back fresh we should we should see something similar to the 2020 season in the bubble the Lakers and Heat, they should be right at the top, the pegging order, just because of that that extra health break that they got now. Um, the Grizzlies stole that last spot from the Warriors, who were in the play-ins, but actually had the seventh seed. So, that's extremely tough, because they were predicted to be the seventh seed, and they actually were the seventh seed, but... They lost their playing games. They lost the playing game to the Lakers. And they lost to the Grizzlies. Um, it's a great year for the Grizzlies. Any great year to be a Grizzlies fan. Because that young core is just tremendous. And they're growing. And they're just getting better and better. And they've just added Zaire Williams. So this is a team that's on the come up. And their stock is on an uptick. And I think any any team that's... A young team that gets playoff minutes under their belt is a team that you should worry about for the future because they're only going to get better. They're only going to be in this conversation more. And as the West starts to dilute with a lot of these teams probably heading towards a rebuild, you should see the Grizzlies going up and up the pecking order slowly. So that should wrap up the standings. Moving on to the awards. Okay, so this is the part of the episode where I go through the awards. I go through the Vegas predictions for awards, my predictions for the award, and what actually happened. So I think. If we just begin with what the odd maker said would be the award winners. So starting off with the MVP of the league, the odd makers had Giannis as their MVP, which is a little bit unrealistic. I think 
Doncic was second. So I would assume Doncic was probably their favourite considering it's damn near impossible for you to go three-peat basically. And Doncic was my prediction too. However, the actual MVP was Nikola Jokic who had a great season. Unfortunately, the MVP race was practically cut short because LeBron missed a lot of time and he was in the race even though I don't I don't think he had a fair claim as much as Jokic and Embiid but Jokic just missed too much time and LeBron was the one with the most attendance until he did miss time and not to discredit Jokic but essentially all the candidates for the MVP were injured and they missed a lot of time and respect to him for maintaining that consistency and also actually being out on the floor one thing I do like to say all the time is availability is the best ability and he has that in abundance over LeBron James and Joel Embiid so well done to Nikola Jokic for winning his first MVP first of many hopefully um, moving on to defensive player of the year I did think Anthony Davis was going to win his first ever defensive player of the year so did the odd makers however unfortunately Rudy Gobert ended up winning defensive player of the year um, as legit his claims might not seem to a lot of people Rudy Gobert was the defensive player of the year and it is a regular season award and whether you feel uncomfortable giving an award that's meant to be for 72 or 82 games but then you don't feel he's really the best defender on the planet I think it calls for perhaps a change in the rule books or just a change in the votes in the media because shot blockers and rim protectors and these styles of defenders have always been dominating this award and they've been dominating this award and I think the transition to more pick and roll, more, more open space, pace and space basketball has caused the average fan to look at these defenders and kind of question their legitimacy but I can promise you if you get Mutombo and a lot of these other big seven footers who couldn't really move and you put them on the Utah Jazz they would look exactly the same Terrence Mann would, would basically make them unplayable and just the styles of offense nowadays are just too intuitive and too just innovative to make these slow footed rim protectors as valuable on defense as they once used to be in the past and I really do believe the actual defensive player of the year belongs to Ben Simmons he was the best defender on the planet this year or even Matisse Thybulle however the sample size isn't isn't there but there's a lot of names that you could have given this award to that I wouldn't have been too fussed about Bam Adebayo um, Joel Embiid Ben Simmons Draymond Green I think Giannis even 
the list kind of goes on because a lot of these players not only do they just protect the rim and increase the value of their team's defense in the paint but they also switch out front they show in the pick and roll they switch they defend they do everything you have someone like Draymond Green and Ben Simmons who protect the paint tag the roll man switch guard the guards in the pick and roll and then help their guard when their guard gets blown by I mean to me that is the all-round defensive player of the year however well done to Rudy Gobert anyways but yeah um between Dennis Schroeder and I think Norman Powell, Lou Williams, a lot of these fringe starter players, it's extremely hard to predict the sixth man of the year. And I think, honestly, that's probably the hardest award to predict because a lot of these players who do end up winning sixth man of the years win them on contending teams or teams that are playoff teams, but actually are starter level players if you grasp what I mean and a lot of these players could very well start for some of the lottery teams and be very productive players and could perhaps even push them out the lottery and make them a fringe playoff team so to me that has to be easily the toughest award to to decide and really try and figure out who is going to be that sixth man of the year. Um, that's all for today. Wrapping up the last season that just transpired. It was a great season. Had its ups and downs. And the free agency is beginning now. So already we should be seeing some great moves. We should be seeing some new pieces flying across the place. I think the Lakers and the Nets are already going out arms race right now trying to just sign as many um, pieces as possible I think we should see a lot of trades unfold Russell Westbrook trade to Lakers is another big one that happened alongside the Lowry one um, the entire NBA landscape has just been completely changed this last year and a lot of teams that were planning on running it back have felt like this is it, we've got to blow it up and some of the teams that have kind of just been punched out the water are making some great moves and rejuvenating their lineups and we should be in for a great season next year but as it pertains to wrapping up the past season this has been the Midrange J, your host Fahad, and I'm signing out. See you next summer. Oh, not next summer. What am I saying? See you. See you summer league? Nah. Nah, I'll see you at the start of the year. See you start of the season.